Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham. This episode is getting out a little bit late. It's been a crazy week here, but we're getting it in. Um, Even if it is going to be going up probably on a Saturday, that's okay. We're back in here with Dan Kalinske. Dan, how you doing, man? Doing well, Justin. How are you? I'm good. It's been a good day. But um, we got a lot of stuff to get into. Um, we talked a little bit about the Tristan Thompson news last time. We talked about the JaVale news and the Charles Matthews news. But we're going to go over a little bit again here today. Um, just kind of rehash what has happened so far for the Cavs in free agency. Um, obviously, you know, the first Cavs-related news to happen in free agency was Tristan leaving for the Celtics. For the two-year mid-level exception, Dan, what were just your kind of initial reactions when you saw Tristan leave? Obviously, you know, I, I've stated, you know, that I was really kind of sad to see him go. I mean, I understand it. I don't think the Cavs were going to offer him that money. Like, obviously, you know, we, I think we've, we've learned at this point that the Cavs didn't offer that much. And for Tristan, it makes total sense. You know, going to a better team, making him more money, it's, it makes total sense. But what was your kind of initial reaction to it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of bittersweet um, to see him go just with all he's done uh, for the Cavs. Uh, it's, I mean, the Cavs are not objectively a team that has had the greatest history, um, so to speak. So, um, I mean, you think of those 80s teams. Um, you think of what LeBron's been able to do when he was here. Um, obviously, we know that. But Tristan seems like a guy that uh, is, is probably going to have his jersey – uh, hung up in the rafters at some point. So um, just a really uh, good guy for what he's done here. Um, it's, I mean, back thinking back then, I, I never would have thought he would have been here for nine years. Um, honestly carved out a really good career here. Um, but you think for him, it's kind of good for both sides uh, in, in some ways, just because, um, We'll see what the Cavs do here as far as um, what goes on with JaVale. I think he'll be fine. But for Tristan, I mean, it was a no-brainer move. I couldn't blame him for doing that, um, taking MLE to have a realistic shot in the title here with Boston. It's I, it's good for him, and um, maybe we'll see him back here at some point. But at minimum, we, we know what he's given us for years. Absolutely. And yeah, like I said, I couldn't be happier for him in the situation that he's in. Like you said, on a team that has a very realistic shot to win a title, it does just kind of hurt that, you know, losing Kyrie and Tristan Thompson, both to the Celtics, you know, one through trade and one through free agency. But um, overall, 
I kind of, I, I, somebody reminded me of that, and that just that kind of hurt a little bit. But looking yeah, at the and, uh, and for him, it's it's kind of I mean, playing in Boston, he'll finally get um, I would think some national notoriety because I mean, even here, even when we had LeBron, it seemed like he was kind of people nationally wouldn't really talk about him all that often. Um, I, I think for him, it's kind of will be a nice stand, uh, kind of put a stamp on his career, if you will. Yeah, it absolutely should. Um, he's like you said, he's going to have a big role there, and he'll, he'll be in the spotlight a little bit more on the court. So, it, like I said, couldn't be happier for him. I mean, he made the right decision for him: more money, more exposure, and a better chance at winning. So, couldn't be happier for Tristan. The Cavaliers then were left with a hole in the backup center spot. We looked at names like Nerlens Noel, Harry Giles, others. All of them went elsewhere, but the Cavaliers then swung a trade for Javale McGee. Uh, the Cavaliers got a second-round pick, I believe, in 2026 for that as well. Uh, the Cavaliers traded away Alfonso McKinney and Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell was waived by the Lakers. Alfonso McKinney will stay, so now he has a shot to win a title with the Lakers. Um, but overall, you know, this was a very smart move for the Cavaliers, as we've said, you know, picking up a backup center for a little over $4 million. You know, someone who's a vet and getting another pick in the process, only losing Alfonso McKinney and... Um, and Jordan Bell. So, how do you like the JaVale McGee fit in this team? I think, you know, someone who is, is going to start, you know, I don't think he's going to get bought out at this point. I think he's going to be playing for us. Well, just kind of, again, initial reactions, you know, what is your initial reaction to the fit here? And just how do you like him as a Cavalier? I, I like the addition of McGee. Um, obviously, with him, it's they were able to add a future asset, which is, I mean, for McGee or McKinney and Jordan Bell, who, as you said, was waived anyhow. I mean, we'll take that. Um, but I, I like McGee. I think it's he's. I, I understand he's thirty two, but he's he's an impact roller. He's a guy that can help your spacing um, in, in that way with that kind of rolling gravity. So um, I, I think it helps out our shooters. I understand he's not really a shooting threat outside of some jump hooks here and there. He's just, he's developed a little bit more of that hook game. Um, inside from about six, seven feet. But um, I, I really think he plays with a lot of energy. Um, I I think he's a guy that can – his seven, six wingspan, I think he he honestly plays with verticality more um, kind of regularly than Andre Drummond. But obviously with him, he, he's not a guy you're probably going to be playing over 18 minutes a night, really, um, 18, 19, just because the fou- fouls are have consistently been a problem with him. But – um, I like his aggression. I like that he plays. Um, he's a guy that honestly fits. Uh, he honestly is an impact um, player in transition with how hard he runs down the floor. Um, I, I just think he's a player that can – I think he's a guy young guys will kind of gravitate toward as well. Um, I, I really like uh, the ad by the Cavs there. We know that Tristan, or not that Tristan, that JaVale has been someone who has kind of been working on his three, you know, over the past couple of years. We've seen a lot of workout, you know, videos of him, you know, shooting threes. We've seen a few in games, you know, not really something that's ever become anything. Coming to a team like Cleveland, where maybe the pressure and the stakes won't be quite as high every game as they would be in, say, L.A. or Golden State a few years ago. And especially playing behind Andre Drummond, who we've seen what he has done with the Cavaliers. Do you think that JaVale McGee will try to expand his game here in Cleveland? At least try, whether it works or not? Uh, I don't think – I don't really anticipate that. 
Um, I, I just think with McGee, it's you know, it's going to be more so. I like. I don't really see that being like a John Henson situation where at least there were glimpses of that in game, at least before he was traded here. Um, I, I just think he'll be kind of a handoff roller diver, um, kind of that dunker roll guy um, type. But I think he's a really good screener, very underrated part of his game, kind of underappreciated off the ball there. Um, really helped out the Warriors a lot in that way. Um, but I, I think – the last few years, uh, four years or so, um, I think he was uh, won three titles in that amount of time. Um, you see less kind of, I guess there's more self-awareness with him now than earlier in his career. Um, I, I think he'll offensively, he'll provide plenty though with energy. Um, he's, a, he's an active cutter, um, times those up well, really, uh, honestly, is, is a really productive uh, kind of put back offensive rebounder type too. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to have him here. Um, like I said, after after kind of being disappointed on the free agency backup center market, you know, looking at these names fly off the list. Harry Giles in particular, one that I really wanted to see. Nerlens Noel as well. Just seeing those guys go off the board, yeah, I was I was getting a little bit disappointed. I was looking at guys like Dwayne Dedman, you know, as potential guys. Maybe Aaron Baines still at that point. Obviously, he signed with the Raptors now, but I think obviously this was a fantastic move by the Cavs. Not only getting that cheap backup center, but also netting a second rounder. Um, we'll get to another move like that here in a minute. But I also want to talk about a couple of signings that were made. We'll get to Charles Matthews in just a moment. But I first want to talk about Damian Dotson from the Knicks coming to the Cavaliers. It is a two-year deal for $4 million total. Um, the second year is a non-guarantee I really like Damian Dotson. Um, I didn't think that he should have. He was a he didn't have his qualifying ex- offer extended by, to to him by the Knicks, did he? I think that was how he became an no, unrestricted free agent. Yeah, you're right. Kind of caught me off guard, really. I mean, someone who never really got the opportunity in New York. It seemed like he kind of got more opportunities earlier in his career, and I thought played well. Someone who moves really, really well off the ball. Um, just. Obviously, a, a fantastic shooter, and that's that's really what his role is going to be here. Someone who I don't know what his role is going to be on the Cavs exactly because you know they kind of have that guard wing rotation set already. But if he can find minutes, he should slot in perfectly as just another guy who can fly around, fly off screens, and just be an overall low usage guy to play next to you know Sexton, Garland, Porter Jr., or whoever else. So, what was your what are your thoughts on Damian Dotson, and how did you like this move? Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there. It's it's hard to believe he couldn't even get his QO. Um, they didn't extend that to him because um, I, I guess you look at it because the addition of RJ Barrett last year. I mean that, and Dotson's kind of a natural too. There, um, kind of an off ball guy, but um, as he alluded to, uh, really flies around screens. Um, he's, he's a real off-movement shooter, which I think between him and Dylan Windler, um, the Cavs didn't really have a ton of that ability last season. Um, Jetty Osmond has kind of progressed that way in some respects, but um, he's kind of more of a spot-up, um, kind of pull-up, like one-two dribble pull-up guy instead. Um, I, I really like this ad. We'll have to see as far as the minute share, but um, for him to honestly have shot, I think it was like 36.2% from deep last year, um, playing in the Knicks who were, 
I mean, he was playing in a phone booth last season. Um, there was all the room that he created was honestly just from effort and um, just moving without the ball so so quickly in settled offense uh, because the touches for him were not um, really probably what he was looking for. But um, in that 2018-19 year, um, had hit almost 37% on nearly five attempts a game from from three. And I, I just think with the Cavs, I, I think they'll they'll be able to create more looks for him, at least comparatively in his miniature. Um, we'll have to see what that'll be. But I just I like the ad. Um defensively he's he's not not the most athletic guy, but he competes on that end. Um and his his off ball feels improved there uh in recent last year it seemed. And I like this guy. I think uh, uh, like him, he'll mesh well, um, kind of a seamless fit type. Not going to, as you said, not a, a high usage guy, but I think he'll bring like a spark in, in his minutes when he's out there. Who do you see getting more minutes, at least to start the season between a guy like Dotson or say Dante Exum on this team? Everybody, uh, I mean, I, I I might not be, I might be a little pessimistic on Exum, but I, I just think there's, I think we're really going to see Kevin Porter have a fair amount of playmaking opportunities even pretty early on. Um, I, I also frankly think Isaac Okoro could, ha- could have some pick and roll chances there too. I, I, I see that pretty frequently um, just because Dante Exum is, a, he's an okay backup guard, I guess. Um, in theory, but I just I think the lack of shooting there. Um, he's not a guy with. He's not going to create a lot of separation off off the or on ball. Not not a, a whole lot of a shooting threat. Um, fairly limited on ball um, is 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 a playmaker for himself, and I just think that kind of minimizes his playmaking. Frankly, um, he'll make this the simple reads, which are fine. Um, a ball mover, but I wouldn't really say a playmaker, honestly, is that the vision is fairly limited there. And I, I'd rather – I could frankly see um, bigger staff going with dots and just from a spacing standpoint more so. And I think you bring up a good point with Kevin Porter Jr. as somebody who, you know, can take on that primary playmaker role on the floor and when honestly, you know, I think Garland Wendell is off. will help out in that way too. I think he will too. I think Okoro will help out with that. And yeah. looking at – Somebody else who will also help out with that. Someone who probably is not going to get in a bunch of minutes. I don't expect him to even at this point be in the rotation next season. But very, very happy to have him back. Matthew Delvadova has re-signed with the Cavaliers on a vet min one year. Um, overall, you know, I think this was to pretty much be expected at this point. The Cavaliers were, I think, just kind of looking for someone to take that roster spot. Um, again, they, they don't need someone to take more minutes in this guard rotation. But, you know, this is a valuable veteran voice. I think that is exactly what they're looking for, and that is exactly what they got in Delhi. Um, I know you were also on the pro resign Del Vadova train there with me. Um, I assume that you're a fan of the signing? Yeah, I mean, for, I think it was like $2.1 million, um, based on what Fedor's uh, report said. So, yeah, for, for the Cavs, he's that kind of guy with Tristan gone to, I guess, help Kevin Love um, and or Larry Nance kind of be that 
um, veteran voice. Um, just it's good for the young guards. Um, it, just a guy that, yeah, we know he's he's not going to be playing a whole lot like next year. But I just think it's a good um, guy to have behind the scenes. Uh, it, it can help guys with their like Sexton, Garland, Porter. Um, I would think Okoro as well, just as pick and roll playmakers, um, help them with timing. Uh, at least when he's in there, we it'll be fun to see some deli lobs to McGee. I think that'll get the fans going a little bit. But um, as as you touched on, he's he's not a guy that's going to be playing very very much. But a guy when he's in there, the ball moves, um, has good feel in that way. And defensively, I know he's not the player he once was, but they're better on the floor when he's out there, um, even in those spurts. Yeah, like I said, this is just someone who it, it isn't brought here for what he's going to bring on the floor next season. I think he's going to kind of basically play almost like the Channing Fry role. You know, the last year Channing yeah. was here before he retired. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Cavaliers didn't really lose anybody in their guard rotation, and they're adding a guy like Dotson, a guy like Windler, and a guy like Okoro who are going to kind of soak up those minutes. They're going to push KPJ into that, you know, kind of guard rotation as well, more, you know, as the point guard. So there really just isn't room for Delhi. Again, that's somebody who's quality injury insurance, especially on a team that isn't, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. And somebody who I think has been really good for guys like Garland and Sexton. So, yeah, overall, very, very happy with this signing. A one-year minimum is, you know, just that – the financial aspect isn't really even an aspect here. You know, it's the least you could pay him. So overall, very, very happy with the Del Vadova re-signing. Looking at a couple other minor moves the Cavs have made, we'll start with the first one here, not the most recent one, but the Charles Matthews signing. This is one that we also talked a little bit about last podcast. But um, again, Dan, I'd like to get some of your thoughts on it. Um, former Michigan and Kentucky guard, has a training camp contract now. He tore his ACL last year in a workout with Boston. Um, how do you feel about this signing? And do you think that this is someone who could – at this point, it kind of seems like he – If I don't know if he got just a summer contract or an Exhibit 10, but this seems like someone who is likely going to get, you know, probably waived in training camp and picked up by the charge. But overall, how do you feel about him as a player? Yeah, it was an Exhibit 10. Um, but, yeah, he's he's a guy that – Somewhat similar, um, I guess you could say, in a way to Lamar Stevens offensively. Um, not not nearly the bulk, but he's a guy that can get downhill, um, cuts well. He's a guy that is athletic. Um, he's he's an above the rim finisher type, um, kind of lanky at six six, and uh, he's he's kind of like an energy guy. Thrives in the open floor. Um, I, I liked his game when he was at. Michigan um, worked well there. Um, kind of a guy that can come around handoffs uh, and and kind of meet guys at the rim and finish. Um, plays through contact. Um, but yeah, with him, I think it's just given the roster construction right now. I don't see that really materializing with the Cavs at all. I, I wouldn't expect it to way either. But um, I, I think it's a nice guy to have. Uh, kind of in organization with the charge. Uh, one thing about him is he's, he's a hell of a defender, um, can pick up 94 feet, um, guy that can kind of guard one through three pretty well, um, moves laterally very well. I, I will have to see as far as the ACL stuff there, but um, it's a good story. I, I think, I can't remember who the, 
is a guy from mmlive.com basically said that he was um, basically co-founded his own business and that, that was kind of a cool story for him. And it was just cool to see how he's close with D-Wade. He's a Chicago native. So um, I think it's a guy that kind of fits that what the Cavs are looking for um, it, as they progress in this rebuild. Kind of one of those um, intangible guys that's going to work hard. And um, defensively, I really like um, – I honestly liked him last year as, as kind of like a – an undrafted free agent slash kind of second round target, maybe if they purchased a pick there, but um, yeah, just a guy that potentially could be a wing defender for you and, and kind of situationally kind of like a McKinney type, but we'll have to see. I think he's a very good rebounder for his position too. I think, like we said, the biggest thing that's going to, you know, kind of determine how this is going to play out for him is just how does he look after the ACL tear because he's one of those guys who was a great athlete and used that, you know, on the defensive end. So, and used that to finish through contact. And we just have to see, you know, is he going to be hesitant on those drives now after an ACL tear like so many guys are? Something to look at with him. Um, you know, we'll obviously see him coming up here a lot. In the preseason, we'll get to that in a moment. We have one more trade to talk about the Cavaliers just made this afternoon. The Cavs acquiring Rajon Tucker and a 2027 second-round pick from the Utah Jazz for cash considerations. Uh, the Jazz actually signed Rajon Tucker when they waived Jeff Green last season. He is on a $1.5 million contract this season. But if the Cavaliers waive him before November 29th, only 340 k of that is guaranteed. So essentially the Cavaliers are... Buying a second round pick here for $340,000, which when you look at it that way, that's, you know, a really pretty good deal, even if it is a pick in the future. Rajon Tucker, somebody who, again, is, you know, another good athlete, um, really long arms, good rebounder for his position. Overall, I'm not sure if he has a spot in the NBA. We'll have to see there. But somebody who's another interesting guy who, again, like I said, I expect the Cavs to waive him, save that money. But I could definitely see them picking him up and him being on that training camp roster again. You know, another Exhibit 10 guy potentially. Um, what do you think is Ray- of Rajon as a player? Yeah, Fedor said that that's basically like kind of a foregone conclusion that he's going to be, I guess, waived or what. Or I should say it's, yeah, yeah um, that process. But um, I, I think he's he's a guy that showed um, with the Wisconsin herd. Um, last year, these, he was a bucket getter for them. Um, showed some catch and shoot ability uh, there. Also at um, Arkansas Little Rock after he um, went to them for one year via transfer. Um, he's a guy that, as you touched on, long um, is good when he's getting downhill. Um, a guy also that kind of can thrive in the open floor. I think he's got a little more. Um, settled offense ability um, definitely does more so than Matthews. He can he can make some tough shots for you, but um, yeah, it's it, we'll have to see as far as the NBA future for him. But um, could also be another guy that maybe we'll see if if he ends up being being signed by the, or picked up by the charge. But it's uh, as you said. I mean, it was for basically buying a second round pick for. Under three and fifty k. I mean, you, you take that, even though it's it's a ways out. But I just think it's a classic like asset accumulation move. Um, 
solid decision by Kobe Altman. Um, you figure what the hell, like, why not? Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, the Cavaliers have not had a, a loud offseason. They've had a very quiet one. You know, in the draft, they had one pick. They took one guy and they didn't, you know, do anything else on draft night. They signed a two-way guy. You know, you look at what they've done in free agency. It's all been small moves. But they have been making these very, very quietly, but very, very smart moves. Looking at, you know, this Rajon Tucker trade, you know, taking on $340,000 in salary and getting a second-round pick for it. Taking on JaVale McGee and getting a second-round pick for it. You know, these aren't, you know, immediate franchise-altering moves, but these are the types of, of moves that you want to see. You know, something that's not going to really hurt you at all, and you just kind of pick up those small assets. And I always, you know, go back to, you know, well, what is the value of a second-round pick? Well, four second-round picks bought Kevin Porter Jr. And, and just these two tiny little moves, you're halfway, you know, to doing that. So... Really, overall, it's it's not something that's going to, you know, show how important and invaluable it is right away, but really over time it will. Um, you know, talking about guys like Rajon Tucker, who I think will probably be back on the training camp unless he really just doesn't want to be here with someone of his caliber. I really don't know why that would be the case. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. We also have other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Knuck a Few Buck, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, too, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. The 2020 preseason schedule for all 30 teams, including the Cavaliers, was released today. The Cavaliers will be playing four preseason games, two against the Pacers, two against the Knicks. They'll be playing at home against the Pacers, both December 12th and December 14th, and at New York against the Knicks. December 16th and December 18th. So we'll have to see here up until that point how they fill out the rest of this roster just for the training camp. But um, basketball is here. It is currently the 27th, so we're about two weeks out from training camp basketball. What a, what a journey it has been. But um, overall, just looking at this season – how are you feeling, Dan? I mean, again, you know, obviously this is not a team who has made a big leap, even though they're heading in the right direction. You know, a lot of people have talked, you know, just, I mean, every year, you know, there's talk about, you know, how good can a team be with, with any team. But just looking at the East, I think there were a lot of teams that made jumps. The Cavaliers overall were not one of them. Where do you have the Cavs? If you were to do just an Eastern Conference power ranking, where would you slap the Cavs right now? Yeah, I, I right now I'd probably say thirteenth out of out of those teams. I think they're better or at least I would put them better than Detroit and the Knicks. I'd say those those two, that's about it. Um they've got a ways to go again. It's it's about internal growth this season for them. Once again, um you gotta think that they'll look to flip Drummond. I, I would think after a, a chunk of the season um, we'll probably hear those trade rumors throughout, but um, yeah, it's it's about 
growth of the young guys. Um, I, I still think Kevin Love, I'm pretty firm in thinking that he's probably going to be around um, through next season just because given the nature of how it's been um, coming off, or I guess we're still amid uh, COVID, all, all, how that's impacted things, um, the lack of teams probably wanting to take on that sort of long-term salary uh, just before the 2021 free agency period um, with with how star-studded that appears to be. But I, I just think with the Cavs, it, you're looking at growth for young pieces like Sexton, like um, Darius Garland especially. And, and I think we'll really see this is going to be uh, big for Garland uh, early on next year, just how he, I guess, rebounds or if he does, if he, if he kind of, has struggles again, but I, I expect big things from him. Um, I, I think him being able to come in in really good shape will pay off early on. And, and I think we'll kind of, we'll see more of Garland as, as a shooter um, off movement as well. So yeah, you're, you're just kind of looking at that sort of stuff and uh, more consistencies from Kevin Porter Jr. And I, I just think it'll be really interesting to see how, um, Dylan Windler does does he look to maybe be a between him and Isaac Okoro who's more like a um, long term starting three type guy but I think it'll be interesting to see Windler if he can be kind of like an instant offense uh, bench guy as well looking at how the East has you know turned out now that we're pretty much we're done with the draft we're pretty much done with free agency there's no more major dominoes to fall really you know, people who, who are looking at the Cavs to potentially make the playoffs, um, again, even with those two extra play-in spots at 9 and 10, you have the Bucks, Nets, Heat, Celtics, Raptors, and Sixers. That is six teams right there. And then you also have the Pacers, the Hornets, who have made moves this offseason, the Bulls, who have made moves this offseason. Nothing serious, but you know they, they expect to be in the playoff hunt next year. The Hawks, who have made a ton of moves this offseason, and also teams like the Magic, who made the playoffs last year, and the Wizards, who are getting John Wall back. I think, well, this team is going to go from kind of the cellar dweller that they were last year to a, a fun young team, which is on its way up. I don't think that next season is going to be the season that we see this team make the playoffs. I just think that, especially with a team like, you know, the Wizards and the Hornets, who are kind of you know, those those fringe teams who, you know, could have gone either way this offseason, they're they're definitely gonna be in the hunt for a playoff spot. They're gonna those are gonna be the types of teams that get those those play in spots. I don't see the Cavs being it. With that being said, I do think that the Cavaliers will be ahead of the Knicks. Um the Knicks didn't really accomplish a whole lot here. They got Obi Toppin, who again I think is gonna be a fine player. I like his fit in New York better than I like his fit in Cleveland. I still don't love it in New York. But he is someone who I think, you know, just because he's going to have so many opportunities there, is someone who could really be in the rookie of the year race. And looking at the Pistons, what did the Pistons do here? I mean, they made some moves that were, you know, semi-intriguing. I like the Josh Jackson signing for them. But opening up free agency with the signing of Mason Plumlee to a three-year $25 million deal and drafting a center in Isaiah Stewart – and then signing Julia Okafor to a minimum. And I know they got rid of Tony Bradley, but they traded for him. They got rid of Dwayne Dedman, but they traded for him. 
They signed Jeremy Grant to twenty million per year. Twenty three years, sixty million for Jeremy Grant. I had him as about a sixteen million dollar a year guy this offseason, and I thought that was going to be an overpay. How are you? How are you feeling on the Pistons right now? I'm pretty down on them. Yeah, it, it, there were some curious decisions there. I guess with Miles Plumlee, you're, I guess, expecting that he's like a key leader presence. Um, uh, yeah, it was pretty puzzling. But yeah, I like the Jackson signing, and honestly, I just I'm glad that the Cavs that Grant was eventually out of their price range. Um, just I, I like Grant as a player; he's a versatile defender, um, three and four high level defender, but um, good athlete. But I, I just wonder how much he's going to be able to like. You're you're going to be asking him to to take on real on ball responsibility and I don't think on the Pistons he's he's gonna be close to the player he was on Denver. Um we'll have to see what they do as as far as Blake Griffin, um, if they're gonna be able to find a team to dump him, but it's uh, it's it's hard to say with that team. Um they struggled with attendance the last few years. I I mean get obviously COVID kinda is unrelated, but even if that wasn't the case, it'd be hard to watch for, for fans right now. Um, I, I get what Weaver's doing. It seems um, he's, he's just kind of getting stuff together um, for them to, it seems like they're essentially tanking, which I get. I mean, they, that's a team that it seems like has kind of put off tanking, like going on full tank at this point for a while. Um, you, you'd like to see what they do with Derrick Rose, but yeah, offensively, I don't know what what in the hell kind of spacing they're going to be having at this point. I don't. I feel bad for Killian Hayes because he's going to he's not going to have any room. They got rid of Luke Kennard. That one, I, I'm, it's just puzzling in itself. Um, I guess you have Sfee there, but ugh, it's it's looking pretty bleak for them. Yeah, I thought the Killian Hayes pick for them was fine. Um, oh, yeah, I like that pick. Yeah, I, 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 I like Hayes a lot myself, yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of them moving off of Kennard, but I understand it because I didn't really want to pay him. And they also yeah. got Sadiq Bey out of that, and I think Sadiq Bey is going to be someone who's really, really good. I thought he slipped a little bit further than he should have. Overall, yeah, I think I'm, he's going to fit in well there. I think he's going to help that spacing a little bit, but – Signing Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley as your big key acquisitions is – I mean, you talk about attendance. That's not going to help your attendance, one. It's not going to help you on the floor that much, too. I mean, yes, Jeremy Grant was a very impactful player, but he is not they, a $20 million a year player. They better be giving away a lot of Little, little Caesars pizza at those games. I mean, I don't <laughs> – and I, frankly, Little Caesars pizza, you should be paid to eat as it is. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't really get those at all. So, yeah, overall, I think the Cavaliers finish above both of those teams. Okay, I think this team is just overall on a better path. I, I don't really think the Knicks are moving in any direction still. You know, they, they have the core of Barrett, Toppin, and Robinson, but I don't know how far that's going to take you. Um, I just don't know if the Knicks are going to be able to be patient enough to stay on track. Um, I, I, I didn't like the Emmanuel quickly pick for them that much. But overall, teams, like I said, like the Hawks who – went out and scooped up Daniel Gallinari and a bunch of other good vets. And the Hornets, who were kind of in that same tier as the Cavs, obviously they got LaMelo Ball, and they got Gordon Hayward. You can discuss you know, whether the Gordon Hayward move for them is a good one or not. 
but it does make them better next seed or next year, and they're they're going to finish higher than the Cavaliers. So overall, this is going to be you know another one of those years for the Cavs. But like I said, hopefully instead of it just kind of being a miserable season where Kevin Love is you know complaining on the floor mid game and chucking the ball at Jetty. It'll be more of, you know, one of those those really fun rebuilding teams who still isn't very good, but you have a lot of young players with a lot of promise. You know, we, we should see turnarounds from a lot of guys this year, continued growth from from Colin. I, I think Okoro's going to be great. Real quick, do you think Okoro – I'm not sure that he does, but do you think Okoro has any shot at Rookie of the Year this year? No, Okoro's not going to be – casual fans or the – I guess non-Cavs fans, casual fans are going to probably look at him and say, like, what what has he done? But he's a guy that's going to contribute to winning. Um, I, I don't – I think, like, realistically maybe 10 points and, I don't know, maybe four rebounds, maybe a steal is feasible for him. I think that's realistic. I, I could see him having maybe three and a half assists a game. I think he'll really add playmaking to them, but – no, he's like Obi Toppin is going to be your classic kind of rookie of the year guy in a down. I mean, at the top draft. Yeah, completely um, agree. But I, I don't. Is Obi Toppin going to contribute to winning? I greatly question that in his career. Yeah, I, I think Obi Toppin is just going to be someone, especially being in New York, that factors into it a little bit. A little add to narrative for sure. Yeah, yeah. Especially him being from New York, that'll just continue to add to the narrative. But. Guy, right. A guy like Obi, um, someone like James Wiseman, who even with Clay gone, just having him next to Steph, he's going to be able to do so much in pick and rolls with him. I think he's going to put up numbers. See, I think um, it's Lamelo, pretty much Lamelo's to lose at this point, I, just because he's going to have the ball in his hand. I mean, I know Hayward's there, but with injuries with Gordon Hayward, you never know. And I just think Lamelo. I, I know they have guards there. We we'll see what happens with Rozier. Um, in Devonte, but I just think he's going to have the ball so often in his hands, and the way he is, at least the the passing, uh, kind of dazzling stuff. Um, I I think he's it's his to lose. I, I was just going to get to him as the guy who's probably the favorite. Yeah, I think you know before the Gordon Hayward signing, he was clearly a favorite as someone who was going to be completely featured by this team. I think even with the ball in Gordon Hayward's hands, he's you know a little bit more and taking that out of Lamelo's hands a little bit. He's he's still going to be the favorite. So I think you know, and, and Anthony Edwards went number one overall. He might not start for this team, but he might. And if he's someone who locks in more than I expect him to, I mean, he went number one overall for a reason. That guy could really be a dominant NBA player if he's really in the right state of mind. Which again, I don't really expect him to be. But there are, like I guess I, I think Okoro is just going to be one of those more, not quietly per se, but just more subtly contributes to winning than a guy like an Obi or a Lamelo who are really going to probably have a little bit more flash in their game and really just put up higher numbers than you know other guys. So. Overall, again, like I said, another rebuilding year for this team, which is fine. Um, you know, you look at a move like that for the Hornets, a Gordon Hayward move like that, you know, for them to try to go for it. I say go for it if you're the Charlotte, you know, and that that only really, I mean, yes, the Cavaliers are going to finish with a worse record because of it, because of things like that. They're going to finish lower down in those seeds. But 
we know what this next draft looks like. And if the Cavaliers can be that young, fun team who still loses a lot, but, you know, shows a lot of promise, and then you add one of those top five guys next season, I think you're you're finally looking like that team who is, you know, one of the serious teams of the future. I think that, you know, there were ways for this team to blow it this offseason, and they didn't. So, overall, nothing flashy didn't need to be good offseason for the Cavaliers. Anything to add to that? Yeah, and I, I, three and a half assists for Ricoro is probably high for me saying that. I shouldn't have said that. But, yeah, I, I just – I liked what they did um, comparatively. There wasn't a whole lot of flexibility um, based on that Drummond player option. But I, I liked what they did. I mean, at this point, yeah, they're, they're a draft away from really pushing for the playoffs, I would say. And there's a lot of guys next year that really could help them in that regard. And Or if they want to look to flip Kevin Love um, after the next draft, I could, it's very understandable if they were to do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think with J.B. Bickerstaff, at least game to game, um, they're going to be a lot more competent – in game, um, I, I think with his ability to make adjustments, I, I think that'll help them. Um, he, he's a guy that also relates to players well, um, and there's going to be a, a real sense of accountability with him. So I, I think for the young guys, he, he'll be great. Completely agree. Um, with that, we're going to get out of here. Uh, as always, Dan, thanks so much for coming on. Always fun talking with you. Um Thank you, everyone out there, so much for listening. If you enjoyed, subscribe, rate, review, all of that. Uh, The Monday-Thursday schedule is getting thrown off here a little bit, I know. Um, It's going to get a little bit thrown off next week as well. Hopefully, an episode should be up. We're not going to get one up on on Monday. Um, Hopefully, you can get one up here on probably Thursday next week. And then after that, hopefully, we can get back on a regular schedule. Um, With the college season starting here, I'm just a little bit busy. Um, I'm on the road a lot, so overall, a little hectic right now, but we'll get settled in here and we'll get back on the, the regular upload schedule here for the start of the season. So again, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Yeah, thanks again. I appreciate it. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.